All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life. And around the table today, Pastor Russ Herman. Can you, um, Andrew, can you cue up the symbols, please? Ready? Three, two, one. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Russ Herman from Cloverdale. Or United you, Reformed Church. You're also called MC Herman, MC right? MC yeah. Herman is correct. The reason, the reason we make fun of that symbol is because our original opening had some music in it. And, and somebody and pointed it was, out it was over. Yeah, nobody was, will be named around here. Yeah. But somebody pointed out that right when his nobody name, named Josh or Jonathan <laughs> or Ben would point that out. Right. But right when your name was announced, there was a symbol crash. It was glorious. We'll we'll try to get that back. Yep, if you I'm could, sorry. that would be great. You're such a good sport. We we appreciate you letting us uh, pick on you so bad. <laughs> I'm not going to stoop to your level. Yeah, Josh. I appreciate that. That's good. You're way more mature today. Than I am. Way more today mature. Today, he's not going <laughs> to. That might have had a double meaning. Yeah. Oh, I did. <laughs> and then Pastor Jonathan Van Hugen from Dayspring Reformed Church. Glad you're here, brother. Very nice to be back. Now, your dad was a pastor. My dad was a pastor. My brother's a pastor. But uh, you know, he was the first generation believer in his home. He didn't come to know Christ till after high school. Wow. And uh, you know his mother didn't come to know Christ until she was ninety six, you know. So um, you know the there is a there is a blessedness of being part of a, a covenant family, yeah. you know that where you know you hear the promise of God, you know that He'll be your God and children after you. There's a promise that's laid out that needs to be uh, received, but it's still the promise of God. We should do a a show on covenant theology. So, and sure. I feel like we've been threatening that for a long time. So maybe after this series. Mm-hmm. And then um, let's try to get our listenership up into the 20s so that when we do it, <laughs> wow. we, can, we can afford to have some people drop off again. We can still <laughs> drop and be in the double digits. <laughs> um, and then uh, Ben Rao, can you introduce yourself? All the way from England. All yes. the way from England. Um, and speaking of parents and grandparents, my. Home church in England, um, where I grew up and was a member uh, up until a few days ago, um, was pastored my, by my grandfather um, for 20-something years. And then a couple of my uncles are pastors, and I am now training to be a pastor. And your dad um, was in the ministry? Uh, my dad worked for a, a, a charity, um, so after he retired from his mm-hmm. professional job in IT. Um, he went to work for a charity called Global Care, um, looking after children in developing countries. That's awesome. So you were a member there how many years? Well, it's a Baptist church, yeah. so you weren't a member until you were baptized. Yeah, right? so, but, but I, so I was baptized when I was 10. Um, Is that, should I not brought that? <laughs> 28 years. 28 years at the same, the same church. church. Do you yeah. even have anybody? Is there, there's probably people at your church. Nobody, your well, church. Well, we haven't been in existence yeah. that long. We've but, only been yeah. in existence since 2008, so. Yeah, our, our church, uh, first service was uh, the last Sunday of, of 2012. Um, so, yeah. 28 years, dang. Okay, well, we can always hope. Everything's new here. Yeah. So, um, we've been going through uh, Paul Tripp's book, um, Do You Believe? Um, we love the format of it. It has the, the doctrine section in one chapter and then the application section in another chapter. And I think, uh, as we've said before, this is 
honestly, this is the hardest part of my sermon preparation every week is the application. How do we apply this to our life? I think Paul Tripp is especially masterful at that. I think that's where he shines in the book. So right now we're on the doctrine of the image of God and man. Is, is this where I can just interject that part of the problem is that... <laughs> I thought you were going to hold off on Burns. <laughs> no, no. I, just, 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 you have a, 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 this a, a villainous smirk on no, your no, face. No, no, no. This is a friendly <laughs> observation. Um, you, you subscribe to the Westminster Standards. Correct. Yep. Um, I happen to be in a church that does the three forms of unity, and it's in the our catechism, the Heidelberg Catechism, um, the format is doctrine and then Oftentimes, after that doctrine, it will say, how does this doctrine benefit mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, Jonathan and I have grown up in this circle where we're- He was Westminster before he traded. <laughs> Jonathan and I serve in congregations. See, I covered all of this ground. That was baptistic. Where that and question was, is, is yeah. often then posed yeah. to mm-hmm. the, the person working through the catechism. And I do think that that is- part, partly an Achilles heel to the Westminster Standards, yeah. that they have the, the doctrine beautifully laid out, um, but it would have probably behooved them a little bit more to, to include questions like, what difference does this make? Well, they're, yeah. and, and, and they're written in two different ways. You know, oh, very the, much so. You know, the, you know, like, for instance, you're referring to the Heidelberg Catechism, and it is a very pastoral, you know, shepherding kind of, you know, I mean, the very first question, you know, what is your only comfort in life and in death, you know, is is engaging you at that level, you know, the, whereas the Westminster says, you know, why were you created, which is, in, that's an important question, too, and we're, we actually have been addressing that yeah. question, you know, you know, what is... You know, so what is the chief end of man is, is the shorter catechism, you know, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Yeah. And so um, both of them serve a purpose. Yeah. It's an art- the, we're artificially pitting the two yeah, confessions against each other. At the end of the day, I want a Westminster man in my corner if I'm in a theological debate. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So since we've sufficiently wasted about uh, five minutes of your time, let's get to our <laughs> subject today. <laughs> Uh, we, we usually do this off air. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we've been rushing today. So, um, okay. So, what does it mean, of course, to be to be made in the image of God? That's what we've been addressing. And uh, as I mentioned, we're going through Paul Tripp's book. Do you believe? And he basically gave us uh, five words that uh, help develop a portrait of what it means to be made in God's image. And the first word that he says to be made in God's image means to be made in relationship. How does he? get to that this is actually one of the aspects that i think is under is not appreciated like it ought to in the Mm. christian church and that is the relational aspect of our triune god um i think people forget that god is father son and holy spirit and they have been in a relationship a community if you will from all eternity and that there was no need for God to create in order to fulfill a lack of relational um, deficiency in in who mm-hmm. He was. He was. He, he has. He, he was and create, always will he be. He didn't need to create anything to add anything to. That's correct. To that that mm. he's always been relationally happy yes. and satisfied and complete. 
It's out and of it's the not overflow. A, yeah. of, yeah, it's not a relationship that is at odds within the Trinity. It's you correct. know, there's a, there's a, they are one. Uh, there's a unity there in that that Trinity as well. So it's of one mind in which they operate, but they're but they have that relationship, that fellowship. And I think it might just help people to to just pause and just read through John 17 sometime Mm -hmm. um, because it's just a beautiful chapter on the relational aspect of the Godhead um, that shows you the intimacy and the unity um, that exists between Father, Son, and Spirit. And I think sometimes we just forget that um, aspect of who God is. And so then when we talk about that we're created in the, in the, the image of God, what we're saying, at least in part, is that we were created as relational beings. Yeah. It's and, not good and, for man to be alone. Yeah. And it's two ways. It's, it's a relationship with God, so there's a vertical, and there's a relationship with fellow human beings, horizontal, yeah. both aspects. What a aspect. gracious thing for God to do, to, to create some, someone else and then invite them in to that relationship. Mm-hmm. Totally unmerited. Unmerited. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, um, and of course, uh, because of that horizontal and, and vertical dimension that you just mentioned, uh, that covers the greatest two commandments, uh, to love God um, as supreme and to love our neighbor as ourself. And so um, being made in community um, basically covers all of life. Now, he- here's the problem. Because of the fall, um, it means that um, – our, our sin has destroyed our ability to have godly community. Mm-hmm. Um, even fallen human beings, non-Christians, will have community, but it'll be distorted. You will you will use people. It'll be manipulative. It'll right. be mm-hmm. a domineering. It'll right. be other aspects of a fallen yep. creation. Whereas um, only grace can restore what, what community is meant to be made in God's image. But I think even sin just fundamentally destroys the first relationship. Mm-hmm. We were created to be dependent upon God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our sin in Adam and Eve was really a sin of a desire to be independent, yeah. to say, no, God, we to don't want to God. have the relationship that you designed. We want to go on our own. And so our, our sinfulness created an isolation from God and as from John, one another. And from one yeah. another. Yeah, they... You know they they were created naked and unashamed. They become ashamed uh, of their nakedness, they, they, of that transparency between one another. Yeah, I mean it doesn't take very long for Adam to change his tune from "This is someone that was flesh of my flesh yeah. and bone of my bone." Oh, there yeah. she is, Miss Eden, yeah. to yeah. the woman you gave me. Yes. Yeah. To begin to attack that which is mm-hmm. part of him. It wasn't me. It was Eve. Yeah. I think it's uh, really interesting to see the effects of, of community and relationship right away. You, you go look at the interaction between um, Adam and God when the fall took place, and there's several things that, that happen, right? They, they First, they're ashamed of themselves, so they not only cover themselves from God, but they cover themselves from each other. So now, because sin has come in, we can no longer be transparent and open with one another. I need to hide myself from you. Hmm. That's one way that sin breaks our relationship. Mm-hmm. 
Another one is that we're blame shifting. It wasn't me. It was her. And that's what we do. Sin destroys our ability to have right relationship because we're never wanting to take the onus for ourselves. We need to press that on other people. That's why I said, you know, in one of the previous shows is that you look at the first three uh, chapters of Genesis and it has the seeds of every doctrine. If you want to know how fallen human beings relate to one another and to God, go go read Genesis 3. Mm Mm-hmm. This whole idea of relationship, this is where um, church is supposed to give a picture of what it means to live in in true relationship and true community with one another. Um, It's supposed to be giving us a taste of heaven. And unfortunately, the church is still a broken entity. And so it's it's just giving us a taste. It's not giving us a meal. Um, But... There is supposed to be this sense that as we um, are in union with Jesus Christ and we have that relationship that was broken in the fall, restored in and through Christ, that also puts us in union with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And the idea is that we should enter into this relationship where our church family actually should be, um, we should be closer to them than we are with our own just family mm-hmm. um, because there is a deeper um, relationship there. Now, if your family happens to be believers, then that's a double bonus. Um, but your church family, you are united with them just like you are united with, with Christ. Well, he's, you know, the Bible actually says he's given us fathers and brothers and sisters and yeah. mothers. You know, this is what we get when we come into the family of God. Yeah. Even though there's bad press uh, about the the church's failures and all that stuff, I I want to flip it over. Nowhere else in the world will you find a place where people confess their sins to one another, who forgive each other, who love each other from the heart. So even though the church has not arrived and we're not perfect yet, you're not going to find that in the world. And and really, this is one of our our best evangelical tools, is is a true community. That's right. By this shall all men know. Yep. Amen. You've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We'll see you next time.